5: I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the captivating Lisa Wolf. In this hour... Brian Donlevy stars in A Gripping Tale of Suspense from 1946. But first, it's Beat the Host. In order to beat the host, a Hollywood 360 listener contestant must correctly answer more true or false questions about Halloween trivia than I... Lisa Wolf Paul is our moderator. Lisa, please say hello to me because we lost our <laughs> caller. Hello, somebody, Carl. Had, Glad
1: to have you with us.
5: We had Glenn from Highwood on the phone, but Glenn, what happened? We lost you. I don't know. I think he was on a cell phone or in a car or something. Well,
1: that's what people are, but you know what? Well, that's okay. Carl, it's Glenn, nice to have you on, uh, on yeah. the show with Glenn,
5: us. Glenn, if you get into a, an area where you can call back, call back Glenn. Anyway, I'll play the game. Against myself.
1: Okay, that sounds like a deal, I've been a
5: lonely person most of my life, so this is easy for me. This is normal for you.
1: (laughs) You just I've had to
5: entertain myself quite a bit in life.
1: Is that right? You know? So...
5: So I will... Uh,
1: okay. Well, that's to... a different conversation. Yes, uh, totally. Okay. Um, so it's good to have you on the show, Thank Carl. Thank you very much. Uh, glad to have you joining us Thank on you. Hollywood 360, Thank as you. you know. It's um, nice
5: to be here. <laughs> yeah, I listen all the time.
1: <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> I'm,
5: a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the oh, show. Of, yeah. of just
1: the show or yeah, of me? The, or of
5: everything. Specifically. The whole thing.
1: Okay. Well, we're going to have a little fun with Holly, uh, Halloween trivia. Okay. So um, we'll see if you or Carl... Mm -hmm. Um, can get more answers correct all right okay carl i'll start Uh with you
5: this this works perfect for my dual personality doesn't it
1: (laughs) it's not working perfectly for me (laughs) carl yes carl number one yes which u.s city hosts the world's largest halloween parade
5: which U.S. city? Mm-hmm. Do I guess or do you give me multiple no, choice? No, just
1: take a guess.
5: Which U.S. city?
1: Hosts the world's largest Halloween parade.
5: New York City.
1: That is absolutely right. Of Carl number is. one is on the
5: board. Carl number one is pretty smart. <laughs> Good He's job. a pretty, pretty Carl smart Carl number feller. two. Yeah?
1: What vegetable was once thought to have supernatural powers on Halloween?
5: What vegetable? hmm A pumpkin?
1: No, I'm sorry. Oh. That is incorrect. What? Um it's cabbage.
5: Cabbage? Mm-hmm. Ugh. I hate cabbage. Really? Ugh.
1: Okay. All I right. so
5: Carl number one is doing, is doing pretty, well. Doing pretty well. I hope
1: you're keeping track. I am. Okay, Carl number one. Who wrote the eighteen eighteen classic book Frankenstein?
5: Mary Shelley.
1: Correct. Carl number one is on the board again. He's smart then. Yeah, that one's doing great. He is
2: really smart. Carl number two. Mm -hmm.
1: Vincent Price provides the spooky monologue at the end of what Halloween song?
5: That's Thriller.
1: You got it. You're on the board. It's a game here. Got a little competition going here. Carl number one. What percentage of Americans pretend they're not at home on Halloween? And I'll give you <laughs> I'll give you a ten percent uh-huh. difference. All right. So anywhere within ten percent, I'm gonna count I'll it say as correct.
5: Thirty-eight percent.
1: You are so close. Was it's I? twenty-one.
5: Carl, I have a caller. I have Grayson from Portland. Do we want to take Yes, it? of course. All right. Hang on one second. All right. <laughs> It's better than playing against myself, let me tell you. All know, right, I got Grayson on the air here. Grayson. Grayson. Hey, Grayson. Are you there? Hey, hey, what's up? How are you? Good.
1: Well, I'm happy to have Welcome. you because be Carl was playing against himself.
5: Say am But good. I pull over and try my luck. Ah, very good, Grayson. Good to have you on the show.
1: Uh, we're going to start right here, midstream. Grayson, right. this is for you. Which movie tops Rotten Tomatoes list of the scariest horror movies ever?
5: Hmm. Which movie scariest mm-hmm. Exorcist He said the Exorcist.: You which-
1: are absolutely right. All right. <laughs> that is correct. Yeah, right. Carl, yes, I guess you'll just go with Carl number one.:
5: Yeah, because Carl number one was doing pretty well. Okay, actually.
1: Which U.S state? Produces the most pumpkins.
5: U.S. state, Washington.
1: I'm sorry, that's incorrect. <laughs> Where do you think, Grayson? You got a guess on that one.
5: I'm a- oh, We're having bad. I'm the- yeah, I'm having trouble reception. hearing. Um, Iowa? Oh, he says oh, Iowa. Oh, you were close.
1: You were closer <laughs> in proximity. It's Illinois. Illinois? Illinois. Wow.
5: Yeah. I didn't know that.
1: <laughs> Where are you calling from, Grayson? Portland? Portland? All right. Uh, Carl, when was the song Monster Mash released? I'll give you two I think that's, years. No, I
5: think this is, uh, isn't this uh, Grayson's question? Oh. Yeah, because you asked me. Yeah, you were absolutely
1: ahead. right. Grayson, yeah. when was the song Monster Mash released? What year? 1950,
5: 1958.
1: Ooh, that's a good guess. It's a good guess, but I give you two years, Grace, and that didn't work out. Carl, I'll you say 53. You went the wrong direction. It's <laughs> nineteen sixty-two. Wrong way, Corrigan. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Carl, where does the quote "double double toil and trouble" come double, from?
5: Double toil, double double double. <laughs> it's so from good. Shakespeare, right? Um, I need a little from, more. Um,
1: uh, it's Which...
5: d- something wicked this way comes, or something like that, or something. No,
1: I'll give you. Well, no, that's it's incorrect Shakespeare, 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 though, right? Yes,
5: and it's from. Um, something like with the with the three witches
1: or something? No. Go what ahead. do you think, Grayson? Do you know?
5: Do you know where that comes from, Grayson? Um bad connection I think we've
1: lost him. Ugh. sorry. Yeah. We're back to no, Carlos.
5: Oh, okay. oh,
1: there you I are. Just, I just can
5: Do you have a guess?
0: Yeah, I I
5: I don't know that one. Okay, so All right.
1: Well, <laughs> It is Macbeth. Oh,
5: Macbeth. Macbeth. Yeah. We got
1: two more. Grayson, what's the most popular Halloween costume in the U.S.?
5: Hmm. Yeah. Bad connection. Um, Dracula. He says Dracula.
1: Close, but not quite. I'm going to
5: say um,
1: uh,
5: Freddy Krueger? It's a witch. Oh a, witch. Just a plain old so, witch. So in other words, big Just picture a, of you. Plain
1: old witch. Yeah, that's me. Everybody wants to be me for Halloween, I'll I understand. Get you, my pretty. I mean, who doesn't want to be me? Lisa Carl. Wolf yeah. is my name. <laughs> this is your last question. There okay. well, you go. Carl. Yeah. What is the most popular adult Halloween candy?
4: Adult Meaning, Halloween what candy. What do
1: adults mostly prefer for Halloween candies, not children? Um, what is your, what's the number
5: one? I'll say Tootsie Rolls. That's what you would choose? Yeah, I like I like a tootsie roll.
1: If you went to a house, you're going to be hoping be that happy- they open the door, your number one choice would be tootsie roll. No, Rolls.
5: my number one choice would be a chunky. Okay, that's
1: well my then favorite. that's your answer. Okay. Chunky. But still wrong. Chunky. <laughs> <laughs> Grayson, you have a guess?
3: Uh, uh
5: re- What is it? Say it again. Gummy? gummy bear
1: no um it's something you like though carl it's m&m's oh m&m's all right well thanks grayson yeah thank you so much for calling i'm gonna
5: send you some some fun cds for playing stay on the line so mike Uh, can get your address when we come back it's suspense stick around
0: more hollywood 360
4: after these important messages it's time to rethink renew and reimagine retirement hey everybody jared to here host of retire repurposed now this podcast is about the non-financial parts of retirement which many times can be even more challenging than the financial we believe retirement is not the end rather the beginning of what could be the most impactful purposeful and fulfilling season of a person's life so don't retire become repurposed
0: And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. All
5: right, Suspense, the greatest mystery series of all time. We play Suspense a lot, Lisa. There's almost 950 episodes of this series. We have most of them in really, really good uh, sound quality. Uh, You're going to hear a good one from 1946. This uh, series, Suspense, aired on CBS. Are you ready for this? 1942. All the way to 1962. Mm. Incredible! Uh, it had the best actors on it, the best writing. It was a very high-profile show, a uh, big-budget show. It was uh, it was like Destination Radio back then. You know, it was uh, you never miss suspense. And we have an episode called Lazarus Walks. Listen to the premise here: a man dies but comes back to life after four minutes with the ability to read minds. And the compulsion to speak only the truth. Ooh. Dangerous. Sounds good. Brian Donleby starring. Here's a Halloween broadcast, October 31st, 1946, of Suspense. And now,
2: Roma Wines, R-O-M-A, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Roma Wines present Suspense. Tonight, Roma Wines bringing you Mr. Brian Dunleavy as star of Lazarus Walks, a suspense play produced, edited, and directed for Roma Wines by William Spear. Suspense. Radio's outstanding theater of thrills is presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Those excellent California wines that can add so much pleasantness to the way you live. To your happiness in entertaining guests, to your enjoyment of everyday meals, yes, right now a glassful would be very pleasant. As Roma wines bring you Brian Donlevy and a remarkable tale of suspense.
7: This is the truth. Do you understand the truth? It must be the truth. It has to be. Robert Winsley Graham, a doctor and psychiatrist by profession, do hereby of my own free will and volition, albeit with deepest regret, make the following full and complete statement relative to that all but unbelievable series of events which has brought such disaster and misfortune to my house, and particularly to my poor wife, Isabel. It had its beginning, properly speaking, some two months ago, to be exact, on the evening of August 25th. We were in the drawing room, Isabel at the piano, practicing, as she said, her Aunt Jane and
6: I on opposite sides. Isabel, what's the matter?
3: I don't know. I can't seem to keep my mind on anything anymore, even my music. Nerves.
6: Nerves. Huh. Aunt Jane, please. I'm sorry, but I don't believe in beating about the bush. You're an artist. You've got talent. There's no sense in you trying to subordinate yourself to somebody else. Aunt Jane, that's enough. I'm not
3: subordinating myself to anyone. Oh,
7: really, Aunt Jane, you mustn't interfere, you know.
3: Robert doesn't want me to go back on stage.
7: Oh, darling, it isn't that I don't want you to go back. I'm proud of you. You know that. It's only because I think... Because I know that going back to a professional career at your present mental condition could be terribly harmful
3: yes i know robert i know you're right
7: after all i am a doctor it's my business to know these things i'll get it probably the hospital hello yes this is dr graham who oh yes yes why of course when would you like to see me all right fine no 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 trouble at all very well i'll be expecting you Goodbye. Isabel, good heavens, who do you suppose that was? Who? Roger Holcomb. Do you remember the case? Roger Holcomb.
3: Roger Holcomb? I
7: remember it. Of course you do. The fellow who was brought back from the dead, as the newspapers put it, about a year ago.
3: Oh, yes.
7: yes. You know, he really was dead for four full minutes, as far as medical science was concerned. And then Bates brought him around. It was a nine days' wonder at the time.
3: What does he want to see you about?
7: I don't know. Something to do with his experience, obviously. Oh. He was in a terribly agitated state, poor fellow. He'd been walking up and down in front of the house for an hour, trying to get up courage to ring the bell. Finally, he phoned from the corner drugstore.
3: Oh, the poor man. Why in the world would he do that?
7: Anxiety, neurosis. They hounded him in the most shocking way when he got out of the hospital. You know, preachers and spiritualists and movie agents and just plain fakers. People trying to find out... If he remembered anything of the four minutes when he was supposed to be dead. And people just trying to exploit oh, him.
6: Oh, that's notoriety. Some thrive on it, some don't. One man's meat is another man's poison.
7: Yeah. Well, that must be Holcomb now. I'll take him into the office. Dr. Graham? Yes. You're Roger Holcomb? Yes. Come in. Thank you. It's a pleasure to meet you, Mr. Holcomb. Is it? Well, sit down. Oh. Why did you come to me, Mr. Holcomb? Well, I was told
8: that you specialized in strange cases. Things that other men
7: can't explain. Yes, that's true in a way.
8: You know what happened when I got out of the hospital? How they followed me and questioned me, hounded me day and night. Trying to find out if I remembered anything, if I'd experienced anything beyond the grave.
7: Yes, I remember that.
8: Then you remember that my answer was always the same, that I remembered nothing, that I knew nothing.
7: Well, I was wrong. Oh? What did you experience during those four minutes? I don't know. But it must have been something.
8: Something I don't even dare to think about.
7: How do you know this?
8: Well... It happened the first time on a boat trip which I'd taken to recover my health. I found myself chatting with a woman who was seated at my table in the dining salon. She found occasion, such women often will, to mention her age. She said, after all, I'm not yet 40. And then it happened. What happened? From somewhere came crashing into my mind the certain knowledge of the exact day and year of that woman's birth and with it, a compulsion to speak out, a compulsion which I could no more have resisted than I could have resisted breathing. I said, Madam, you were born in May, weren't you? May 30th, and then I added the date, the year 1900. She was well over 40. She lied to me. It's an innocent enough thing, but I had known the truth and been forced to speak it, and I have been ever since.
7: Well... And this condition has existed only since your, uh... Since my
8: four minutes beyond the grave, yes. It's as though... Well, this will sound... It's as though in that brief time I had glimpsed eternity that I'd seen revealed all truth of all the ages. Now, I know that sounds foolish, but...
7: This is most amazing. Well, uh... Tell me, you have a family and friends who are understanding... Oh, for
8: heaven's sake, doctor, don't you understand what this has done to me? Yes, I had a family, friends, a girl I was going to marry. Today I'm an outcast, a pariah. I'm shunned, feared, it's hated, hated.
7: Mr. Holcomb, I believe that this condition is very real to you. Causes you very real anguish, and I want to help you. Do you think you can? I'm confident that I can. Do you suppose you could arrange to stay with me here at my home for a matter of weeks or months, if necessary? Oh, I'd
8: do anything, anything in the world
7: to be a normal man again. Well, you'll have your own quarters. You'll be quite comfortable, I assure you. Well, I'm sure. It's a lovely house, what I've seen of it. Yes, I'm rather lucky. I'm interested in research, primarily. Not much money in that, you know. But a couple of years ago, I came into quite a nice inheritance. The house went with it. (laughs) I... Uh, Uh, What is it? What's the matter? The inheritance was not yours, it was your wife's.
8: The house is your wife's. You are penniless.
7: That's true. I don't know why I lied to you. Pride, I suppose. I'm sorry. I told you I couldn't help it. I'll go now. No, no, please. It was my fault. It's a small matter. But you see now that... I want to help you. Do you
8: believe me now?
7: I believe, Mr. Holcomb, either that you are far more ill than I realized, or that in the months to come, you and I must venture into a realm never before explored by mortal man.
2: For suspense, Roma Wines are bringing you Brian Dunleavy in Lazarus Walk, a radio play by Robert L. Richards from a story by J. Marion Speed. Roma Wines' presentation tonight in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense.
7: It was utterly fantastic, and yet it was true. I checked the facts again and again. He could not possibly have known, and yet he knew. Can you imagine what this meant to a man of science? If I could fathom the depths of Roger Holcomb's mind, I could make a contribution to the body of scientific knowledge absolutely without parallel in modern times. There remained the problem of Isabel. I was aware of the danger, of course, but I believed I could control the situation. I determined to proceed. Actually, Holcomb's presence made itself felt almost immediately. The first incident came after he had been with us scarcely a week.
6: Isabel, please stop that playing and listen to me. Aunt
3: Jane, you know Robert has said I mustn't talk about it. That's bad for me. I don't
6: care what Robert says.
3: I've been sick, that's all. He's
6: made you sick.
3: That's ridiculous. Maybe
6: it's just that he's afraid of losing you. Maybe he's even afraid of losing your money. But I'm absolutely convinced that whether he's meant it or not, he's made you believe there's something the matter with you that isn't. Aunt Jane, I simply forbid you to talk this way. Isabel, Isabel, do something before it's too late. Do? Do? What? Get away. Leave him.
3: Divorce him. Anything. Aunt Jane, you don't know what you're saying. Oh.
7: oh, I hope we're not interrupting.
3: Of course not, darling. Hello, Roger.
7: Hello, Isabel. Mrs. Parton.
3: Good afternoon. Mm. How are you feeling, Roger?
7: Well, better, I think. I think it would be better if we didn't discuss our our states of mind, Isabel.
3: Oh, yes. Of course. I'm I'm sorry. Well, would you like me to play something for you? You know, I think I'm beginning to get the
6: feel of it again. I, really, I do.
7: You're sure we haven't interrupted some conversation?
6: Of course not. we were just discussing how helpful you've been in getting Isabel back to her <laughs> work again. Roger.
8: No, you are not. You were telling Isabel to divorce her husband.
6: Why?
7: Isabel. I'm
6: sorry. I'm sorry. Roger. I'm sorry. Roger, come back. here.
7: Isabel. Is that true?
6: You brought him in here deliberately.
7: Is that true? It doesn't
6: matter. I suppose you've known how I've felt for a long time. Yes, I'm afraid I have. Robert, it was all so silly. She didn't mean it. It was just I that she... I did mean it. I'm sorry, Isabel, but I've been under this roof too long as it is. Oh, Aunt Jane, you're not leaving it's us. It's the best, Isabel.
7: Yes, I think it is decidedly best that you go at once.
5: Hmm. A tale well calculated to keep us in suspense, Lisa. That's Lazarus Walks with Brian Donlevy, along with Hans Conried and uh, Kathy Lewis. A great cast on this Halloween broadcast from 1946. We'll get back to it in a flash.
3: I am still there,
5: Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows, along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on 5 CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full 5-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Lisa Wolf and I co-host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535.
0: And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari.
5: This is Hollywood 360. We have Mike Bubblebath Costello, our executive producer, the great Lisa Wolf, my uh, crabby brother Vince, who will be here next week because Lisa's not here next week. Her daughter's getting married. Congratulations, Lisa, mother of the bride.
1: We are getting married in Sedona next week. Yeah, how great is that? We will be gone.
5: Yeah, so I'll be here with my crabby brother, Vince, (laughs) and we will have a lot of fun, more Halloween programs. Next week, what a great lineup. We have uh, the terrific actress Evelyn Rudy will be on at the very beginning of the show live. We'll be talking to her from L.A., and then we're going to play a suspense broadcast starring Evelyn Rudy when she was eight years old. How great is that? And then we'll have other scary radio shows. So next week is going to be a terrific lineup. I planned all that because you're not going to be here next week. Right. We'll
1: make it a good show
5: at least. Um, So don't miss uh, our program next week. And, folks, we know that um, many of you out there in Radio Land don't get to hear the full five-hour show because not all of our radio stations carry the full five-hour program. Now, If that's the case, uh, please contact your station. Tell them, hey, carry the full five-hour show. They love hearing from their listeners. Um, But if that's not an option and you'd like to get a podcast of this show sent directly to your email, if you are a Classic Radio Club member, you get that free. It's part of your club membership. So consider joining the Classic Radio Club. Just go to ClassicRadioClub.com, and as a member, we will send you every Monday The full five-hour Hollywood 360 show, along with our Radio Rarities podcast. So you get like six hours sent to you on Monday. But if you're not a Classic Radio Club member and you'd like to get the podcast, we have a special offer for you. You pay one-time fee, $100. You get it for life, for the life of the show. That means every week for as long as we're on the air, and we plan on being on the air for a long, long, long time, one-time, $100 fee. Get the podcast and Radio Rarity sent you every Monday, and we'll also mail you a Hollywood 360 official coffee mug. People, I've been going to the to the post office every week with these
1: coffee mugs. Well, people have been clamoring for the oh mugs, even if they aren't so part of the program. So yeah. we're reserving the mugs right now, at least for those who join our lifetime podcast yep. subscription.
5: 100 bucks, one time fee. You'll get it forever and you'll get the uh you'll get the uh coffee mug. How do you do that? Well, it's easy. Just go to our website, Hollywood360radio.com. Hollywood360radio.com. And at the very top of the site, that's how you can sign up for the Lifetime Podcast. Plus, you will get a coffee mug. We also have an option for $5.99 a month. You don't get the coffee mug. But uh, it's there as well.
1: But you also have a phone number.
5: Yeah, we do. We have a phone number. You can call tonight and talk to me <laughs> yeah. or Lisa. We'll take your I'm call. I'm nicer,
1: but and you we can will.
5: Talk to now calm. Lisa has terrible handwriting though, so Not
1: not true. She
5: her handwriting is awful. It is absolutely it's not awful. true. So I think it's you, your eyesight. If you're going to take people's credit card numbers and stuff, I you know, can you please write it down? Can you please legibly? wear your glasses
1: so you can see? If
5: you want to talk to me and Lisa, Sign up for the podcast or sign up for the Classic Radio Club. We can do that, too. 815-900-7535. You can call us tonight. We're in the studio. 815-900-7535. Or go to our website, hollywood360radio.com. Or once again, 815-900-7535. All right, we're listening to a really, really interesting episode of Suspense called Lazarus Walks, starring Brian Donlevy. Here's the conclusion.
7: It was this incident which gave me my first insight into the relationship which was destined to develop between Isabel Roger and myself. The first and most obvious result was that Isabel and I became further estranged as each day passed. It was difficult to speak of even the most casual things with this strangely terrifying specter of truth always at our elbow. The situation reached its inevitable climax the evening that Leopold Cerinsky, the famous conductor of the Los Angeles Symphony was to call on Elizabeth with a view to a resumption of her professional career under his auspices. I gave a great deal of thought to that evening. It had to be handled with the greatest tact.
3: Robert, you... you will help me, won't you?
7: Of course I will, darling.
3: Robert, d- does he have to have dinner with us tonight?
7: Roger. Isabel, you know how I stand on that. Oh, yes,
3: I know, but just this once...
7: Even once, Isabel, to keep him in his room like a spoiled child when we have guests might undo everything I've accomplished in weeks.
3: I know, darling, of course you're right, but...
7: Roger, come in. Robert.
8: Yes? I was wondering if I mightn't be excused just tonight...
7: You're having dinner with us, Roger. Must I? You know you must, Roger, and you know why.
3: Roger, don't you want to we- meet Mr. Serensky? He's really a wonderful person.
8: Yes, indeed, I would very much, but... You...
3: you know, Roger, I made my debut with him in 1934. I did a concert with him every year until... until...
7: Isabel was very talented.
3: I was. I, <laughs> I am. Roger, I'm going to play with him again, you know. He... He wants me to open the season in November. Can you imagine what it means to me?
8: I'm so glad,
7: Isabel.
3: And Robert has finally given his consent, haven't you, dear? (coughs)
7: Robert? (coughs) Robert. I'm sorry. What was it you said, Isabel?
3: I said you'd given your consent to my playing with Sarinsky.
7: I... (coughs) Isabel, you know I don't want you to think that I'd ever stand in your way.
3: Yes, I... I know, dear. I'll do the the Emperor Concerto, and, and you'll come to hear me. You do want to, don't you, Roger? Well, I...
8: Please, Isabel, don't ask me things that What's I can... What's the matter?
3: What's the matter with both of you? You act as though you thought I wouldn't be able to appear. As though the whole idea were hopeless or something.
7: Isabel, please. I am
3: going to play. And I'll be better than I ever was. You know I will, don't you? Don't you?
7: Yes, yes, of course, Isabel. You'll play <laughs> wonderfully. <laughs>
3: No,
8: no, Robert, no, that's untrue. You're very certain that Isabel will be prevented from ever playing again by death. Death? Oh, Isabel, forgive me, forgive me. By
3: death? No, no, it's not true. Tell me it isn't. Roger. Roger, who's going to die? Answer me. Roger, do you hear me? Answer me.
7: Answer me! When Serensky arrived, I told him that it would be quite impossible for Isabel to leave her room. The concert was canceled, and indeed, to my knowledge, she has never touched the piano since that day. By now, to even the most casual observer, it must appear only natural that Isabel had every motive for a desperate, almost paranoid hatred of Roger Holcomb. This much was clear to me, the rest not yet. As a precautionary measure, I prescribed a drug for Isabel, which she at last consented to take. I gave her her own supply, and she administered it to herself as I had directed. But one thing, from any point of view, was certain. I had to keep Roger and Isabel apart. Perhaps what I feared was indeed inevitable. I honestly did not think so at the time.
3: Roger. Roger. Eh? Yeah? It's me, Isabel. What do you want? Let me in, please. Please.
8: No. Please,
3: it's terribly important Robert said... I know, but he said, he said it would be all right this time
8: Are you sure? Yes, yes, please All right Now, what do you want?
3: I want to talk to you, that's all
8: What about, that's so important?
3: Roger, why don't you ever leave your room anymore? Can't you guess? Do you think I hate you?
8: Oh, Isabel, I don't know what to think you anymore You do, don't
3: you? I warned
8: him. I told him it would happen. Now I'm going mad up here, thinking of the anguish I've caused you. But, Roger, I don't... You must believe me. I know what it's been like for you having me here. Roger.
3: Roger, you see... You see, for the first time in my life, I think my husband is wrong about something. Wrong? Yes. Don't you see? He's been worried about both of us, and so this, this distrust has grown up between us. Well, I don't no.
8: distrust you, Isabel. You've been more wonderful But you're than
3: me. you're afraid of me. And that amounts to the same thing.
8: Mm. And it's
3: bad for both of us. It's hurting, both of us.
8: Well, I've often felt I wanted to talk to you, to beg your pardon. Oh, but...
3: Roger, you don't have to do that. We're both... We're both sick. But I... I think if we saw each other sometimes, if we talked the whole thing out, it would help us both.
8: Does... Does Robert think so, too? No. Then he didn't tell you it was all right to see me.
3: No. I lied to you. You what? I lied to you. You lied to me. And it didn't happen. Isabel, don't you see? I am getting well. It didn't happen. I know. I know, Roger. I don't think it does happen anymore, except with. except with Robert.
8: With Robert? But what makes you think that I. I don't know.
3: I... Something about the way he acts, the way he is. Oh, but, Isabel,
8: he is curing me then. Perhaps you shouldn't. No. Have come up.
3: Don't you understand? We must see each other. We must talk. Listen.
7: Isabel. Robert,
8: something's happened that I must
7: tell you. Please, you're completely overwrought. Oh, but
3: Robert, it, 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 it's. I must
7: insist. Isabel, why did you do this? I'm sorry. You'll have to have a sedative right away. Isabel, get the bottle from your room. Oh. No. Mine? Yes. Yes, hurry. All right. Robert, she lied to me. Yes, yes, I know. But, Roger, I must absolutely forbid you to talk now. You must trust me.
3: Well,
7: all right, but but later I want to have a long talk. Of course we shall. Here Bye. it is.
3: And I brought my uh, hypodermic, too.
7: I'm glad you did. The other one's mislaid somewhere. Will you give it to him, please? I? Yes, this has upset me rather badly. My hands are shaking.
3: Oh, Robert, I'm terribly sorry. No matter
7: now. I'll give him the hypodermic in the upper arm. That's right.
3: Yes. Mm-hmm. There.
7: Thank you. Leave us now, please, Isabel.
3: Yes. All right.
7: How are you feeling now, Roger?
8: Huh? I'm fine, Robert. I think I'm better than I have been in months.
7: I know you're better. That's why I was so upset. Do you see? Well,
8: why, Robert?
7: I can't tell you all my reasons now, but you must trust me and believe in me. Why? I do. It's only that I'm afraid. For your health. Uh, Roger.
3: No. You're afraid of murder.
7: It was clear to me now... I knew I must take immediate action. I knew that the most terrible consequences might result if Isabel were alone with Roger Holcomb even for a moment. For he knew. He said so. There was no other explanation. I thought it through most carefully. And yet, no plans are perfect. No man is infallible. Isabel. (laughs)
3: Robert, you frightened me.
7: What were you doing?
3: Why, nothing.
7: Don't lie to me, Isabel.
3: I'm not. I I was... You were
7: coming from Roger's room.
3: No, no, I swear I wasn't.
7: Isabel, don't you understand that you're sick? That I've insisted on these things for your own good and his...
3: All right. I was going to talk to him, but I haven't.
7: Oh, Isabel, why do you try to tell me that? But
3: it's true, Robert, really true.
7: Is it? Roger. Roger.
3: What? What's the matter? Look. Robert. Oh, No, it couldn't be.
7: It is. He's dead. Dead. The hypodermic by his side. The drug. your drug. You're hypodermic.
3: But it's only a sedative.
7: Except that in large quantities, it's fatal. You know that. Oh,
3: Robert, no. No, uh, listen to me. Oh,
7: Isabel, why? Why, when I warned you... Robert,
3: look at me. Look at me. It's Isabel. It's your wife. You can't... No. Where are you going? Robert, come back here.
7: I'm going to call the police. (laughs) Even though it did not come to me as a shock, even from my point of view, as a scientist, it was terrible enough. Yet, it had to be done, and I had done it. I did not speak to her as we waited, and she made no further attempt to appeal to me. The police arrived. I told the story with as little emotion as possible. Yeah? Yeah, there are fingerprints all right on both the bottle and the hypodermic. Those would be my wife's, of course. They both belonged to her. Is uh, that true, Mrs. Graham? Yes. Dr. Graham, do I understand you're formally charging your wife with the murder of Roger Holcomb? You could hardly expect me to do that, could you, Inspector? I am simply telling you the facts. Yeah? Well, you've carefully avoided saying anything definite as to your suspicions, Doctor. But I get the distinct impression she uh, hated him. My wife has been mentally ill for some time. There are many people who can testify to that. She will plead insanity, Inspector, of course. Hmm. Well, Dr. Graham, I can't tell you how sorry I am, but the things you've told me add up to only one thing, as you yourself obviously
2: recognize. Yes. Your wife, Isabel Graham, murdered Roger Holcomb. (laughs) What? What did you say? I said your wife, Isabel Graham, murdered Roger Holcomb.
7: What? The the truth is, I murdered him. No plans are perfect. No man is infallible. Yes, I killed Roger Holcomb. And I had planned to dispose of Isabel for many months... I had never loved her. I had loved only science, and I wanted her money, and Holcomb found it out. That was the risk I ran, that any chance lie in his presence, either by Isabel or myself, would bring out the truth. And it did. I had no alternative, once he discovered that, but to kill him. It was easy enough to throw the blame on Isabel, but I had not counted on that terrible compulsion for the truth strange affliction of Roger Holcomb's and its power over me. Did it transfer itself at his death to me, or was it conscience? It is a pity that it had to end this way. It was a fascinating case.
2: Suspense! Presented by Roma Wines. R-O-M-A. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. And now, this is Ken Niles bringing back to our suspense microphone... the star of tonight's play, Brian Donlevy. Well, Brian, we can't give you an Oscar for your outstanding performance tonight... But Roma does want you to enjoy this basket of fine Grand Estate wines. Grand Estate wines? Well, that kind of Oscar has taste appeal, Ken. Right you are, Brian. Here in your basket is Grand Estate California Burgundy. And Grand Estate Burgundy at mealtime really makes a difference. You can taste. Yes, Grand Estate Burgundy brings out all the taste goodness in juicy roast beef, ...adds to your enjoyment of a good steak, abrasive sizzling chops, or even simple hamburgers. you're killing me. I'm starved. I, I never eat before a broadcast. Well, then you'll especially enjoy Grand Estate Burgundy with supper tonight. For Grand Estate Burgundy, like all Grand Estate wines, is a limited bottling of rare distinction. A wine born of the choicest grapes, then with infinite patience, guided to mellow perfection by the unmatched skill and resources of Roma Master Vintners. Remember the name, Grand Estate Wine, presented by Roma, America's greatest vintner.
7: I'll remember, Ken. And speaking of great names, I understand that you have Jack Carson all set for suspense
2: next week, a comedy show, I suppose. Oh, now, come, come, Brian. You know, we specialize in the unexpected on suspense. No, Mr. Carson will, I think, astonish a great many listeners who think of him as a gay, mad jokesmith. They'll hear him really give out with the drama when he appears on Suspense next Thursday. He'll play a man who wants his freedom badly enough to kill somebody for it. Well, that I've got to hear. Well, thanks, Ken and Bill and Ludd. It's been swell, as usual. Well, thank I... you again, Brian. And we all think you're great in Paramount's Two Years Before the Mast. Next Thursday, same time, you will hear Mr. Jack Carson as star of Suspense. Produced and directed by William Spear for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California. Stay tuned for the thrilling adventures of the FBI in peace and war, following immediately over most of these stations. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
5: Directly from a suspense master 16 inch disc that is Lazarus Walks, sponsored by Roma Wines, starring Brian Donlevy. This uh, this program aired on Halloween, October 31st, 1946. It actually aired earlier in the run, like a couple of years prior, starring Boris Karloff. And uh, that show, we have it. Um, Quality is not that great. Um, I wanted to air a Boris Karloff uh, suspense for you, but after listening to it, I was like, mm, not quite good enough. So we decided to air this show, which we have direct from DISC. Hope you enjoyed this uh, very interesting story by Robert L. Richards on suspense. Time for this month in music history. And we
1: are continuing with our Halloween related songs. I think you'll like this one.
5: Very superstitious, it you know is. that. Are you? Yes. Are you superstitious? Yeah. yeah, I won't walk under a ladder or uh, have a black cat un- or anything like that. Open an
1: umbrella in your house. No,
5: no, 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 no.
1: So this is superstition. Superstition by Stevie Wonder, released uh, 1972 on his album Talking Book. Talking Book. Talking Book. Uh, it's a good song.
5: Oh, he's so great. Uh-huh.
1: So while these aren't typical Halloween songs, their yeah. content is Halloween yeah. related.
5: <laughs> Very good, Lisa. Mm-hmm. I like both the songs you picked so far. Good. Then I As you said, you're good at picking.
1: Good at picking things. Yeah, right. Yes. Right. This, that, and the other Very thing. Very good
5: at picking things. All right. Thanks, Lisa Wolf. Anyway. Yeah. All right. We'll have more of Hollywood 360 after this
0: break. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages.
1: Hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families, too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform.
0: Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Next hour, it's Lights
5: Out from 1943. But first, we're going to need a Hollywood 360 listener contestant to play. Name that tune.
1: That's right. That's exactly what we're going to do. Name that tune. Uh, These are top songs of all time. Uh, from Rolling Stone Magazine. And so if you love good music, this segment's for you. Give us a call 312-642-5600. Looking for lucky number seven. We'll
4: see you soon. Hey everybody, Jared Sebasti, your host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements.